water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now. I am crumbling faster than I ever thought I could. My legs are weak, my brain is numb, oh, what will I become? Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Auburn went from a Cadillac to an Escort. Dabo put diesel in the Ferrari. Clemson is 10-2, and two, and life is not good at all. Welcome back, everyone, to the Clemson Podcast. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben and Jarrett. We are the Clemson Podcast. We're here to recap the South Carolina game. Guys, what the fuck? Great, thanks. Started off, I have to edit that out. Um, Well, I mean, first, I'll start by saying that I, for one, refuse to watch this team again until Saturday. Um, (laughs) Yeah, listen, actually, life is good. You know what? Life's bigger than football. It sucks. You know, I don't remember a loss. Still, like, fuming over a loss, uh, you know, two, three days after um, without some sort of change in perspective, um, as I have coming off of this one. Um, it was just a terrible loss all the way around. Um, the All the streaks that they broke, the knocked us out of the college football playoff. Um, it was an ugly thing to see. I, I'd love to sit here and say and be the bigger man and say, you know, that they, they played, they were the better team. Um, now they did play better and they did deserve it, but were they the better team? I don't think they're the better team. Um, I think in something more fundamental on the Clemson side and the coaching, um, and then, you know, the personnel obviously on the field, but overall, I think if you look at the talent on the roster and everything, there's no reason we should have lost that game. Uh, you look at the first half, 24 to 13, there's no reason we should have lost that game. The opportunities we had in the second half, no reason we should have lost that game, um, even as bad as we played. So a um, lot of a uh, lot of finger pointing going on, obviously. You've got your your message board warriors. They're going to be who they are. All the um, naysayers are going to come out the woodwork and stuff like this, and you have to filter through that stuff. Unfortunately, Dabo seems to be unable to do that, um, but I think we can. Um, and, you know, just have a fresh pr- pr- perspective and take on this game and identify the things that have gone wrong, that are going wrong within this program and still have some optimism for moving forward because, you know, it's still a 10 and 2 team, um, you know, at the risk of sounding like Devo, <laughs> we are going to an ACC championship game as Tully pours a beer. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, there still is reason to believe in, in Devo and this program for the future. I'm not ready to throw the towel just yet. That's ridiculous. I don't think no. I'm ready to throw in the towel, but I think I wouldn't um, complain if that towel was maybe like spun in a circle and whipped him in the eye once or twice. I like mean, Pete Pablo. Yeah, exactly. Or or worse. Um, where do where do you even begin? I mean, we started off with pick six. We started off, you know, picking them off in the end zone. There were some weird calls that you know probably could have gone their way, like the the forward pass. That wasn't, you know, that didn't go for them. Um, But it really just comes down to, I mean, eight and 20, eight for 29 for 99 yards. If you are a division one college quarterback 
and you go eight for 29 for 99 yards, what other top 10 program is going to be like, that's our guy, not even that you have to roast him or whatever, because obviously this is not just about, you know, let's kick uh, one single kid uh, this whole show. But I mean, as a coaches, it's like you have to trust in someone else, whether it's your running backs, whether it's a wildcat formation, whether it's your backup quarterback, that's five-star, whether it's, you know, Hunter Johnson, that's finally ready to take over our preseason galaxy brain prediction and take us to the college football playoffs. It's got to be something. You can't get away with being the head coach and just being like, well, that's our guy. We'll just keep throwing to him. I mean, guys, like this show is about why we lost and about why we really lost. And I think, yeah, we can go through eight, eight for 29. I mean, we can run the gamut. I don't know that people tuned in today to like get the analysis quarter by quarter offense, defense, special teams as we normally do. Let's touch on it. There's a lot of key moments that I think was worth you know worth examining, but I think a a gut check and a, a sense check here on kind of the trajectory of the program right now. And usually we like to do forward looking, you know, when we do that and kind of talk about like what's the reality, you know, what do we have, what signs of optimism or what's what's it looking like in recruiting? Like what do we have to look forward to? I think we gotta do a little bit of backward, backward looking at this point, uh, retros retrospective on why we got to the point where this is what this is what this culminated in and you had a wake-up call earlier in the season with Notre Dame Dabo talked he talked a big game coming out of that game you know it talked talked a lot about adjustments needing to be needing to be made um didn't really see that down the stretch in this game too much so um I think we should also I mean we're recording this Monday evening on the west coast here Dabo had his radio show today I'm you got to be living under a rock if you're, you know, following Clemson media right now to not kind of see what some of Dabo's comments were. I think we should touch on that, but um, let's like continue the conversation about the South Carolina game here. I mean, you guys have brought it up. Like this one was, this was a back and forth game and you kind of felt in the first quarter, like Clemson had this in hand quickly caught that lead back up. I mean, South Carolina gave Clemson nine, put nine points on the scoreboard for us. Our offense scored 21 points, you know, in this game with a lot of opportunities that they gave us also. Um, you mentioned DJ's stats, Jarrett. I mean, to, to move this in a specific direction, I've read a lot of stuff about, like, Brandon Streeter and some of the post-game comments talking about, this was not on DJ. We didn't lose that game because of DJ. That's a Dabo quote. Um, there are all kinds of drops. I mean, you've got a lot of sober analysis coming out from a lot of different sources out there. Maybe not the most like analytically focused accounts that are just stating literal facts. There were what three wide receiver drops in this game. So eight of 29, three drops, good amount of errant, errant balls in this game. Um, I mean, DJ got hurt though. I, I again, Jared, you, you brought up the point. Like, and that was the opportunity. About, that was, yeah. Like there were, there were moments where you, you could, acknowledge and figure out that he wasn't working and panning out in this game. And I want to, I want to ask you guys, not like, we don't need to belabor the point. We know DJ had a shitty game, but like, why do you think they stuck with him? And why didn't they go with Cade? I'm not, who knows what's going on inside Davo's head or Brandon Streeter's head or, you know, whatever inside that locker room. I mean, does it, is it really Davo just playing favoritism? I find that, kind of hard to believe like i don't think he's he's a smart guy um 
is it because Cade just really what they see in practice? He is not just he's not developed to the point where they can trust him in the game. And then okay, then we're 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 looking at player development, right? Um, at the quarterback position, which we've you know already seen one quarterback fail to develop significantly over his tenure. Um, you could argue that Trevor Lawrence um, regressed somewhat over his um, you know tenure as the Clemson quarterback. Um, so is that the reason? Um, I, I don't know. It's a good question. And the coaches aren't going to come out and tell us that. Like, we're not going to get any straight answers. All we can do is speculate. Um, but, but we are on a podcast, it, Ben. Yeah, that's well, what we do. It, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it is fair to question why he, he didn't come out of the game, especially like when you knew his head was out of it. And DJ has shown to be like when things are going well, um, he can get on a roll and he can mm-hmm. play a good football game. Now, most of the time that is not against a quality opponent. Um, you know, he's had great games this year, but when, you know, shit hits the fan, um, he finds it really hard to bounce back. And that's where, you know, he got taken out in the Syracuse game and Kay didn't come in and really do all that much, but there was a different, um, you know, there was a different urgency to the offense. There was like more confidence mm-hmm. in the offense at that point. Um, the way he can use his legs and can scramble and, um, the, the different things that he has to make a defense look out for that DJ doesn't have to. So I know that we threw him in in the Notre Dame game and he had the pick six there. That was, you know, maybe not a good spot to put him in in that game. And I know it didn't work out, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't necessarily try that again because it did work in the Syracuse game. So well, that's the thing is like Dabo will let DJ screw up, screw up, screw up, screw up and like look like not good and he'll just stick with him. But, you know, if if they're saying, well, we put Kate in and he threw an interception on our, you know, 10-yard uh, line or whatever, first play, like, so we're going to be real cautious with them. Like, that doesn't seem fair or consistent. And it's, um, you know, you hear so much this season about how, like, oh, man, everybody, we look great in practice, great in practice, and then we don't know where that intensity is on game day and stuff. So it's like if they are seeing in Cade that he's not ready in practice, and that we that already seems like a sugar-coated version of what we hear from them of what's going on in practice versus what we see, then that could be a horrible sign for how he's just like not figuring it out or he keeps throwing picks or he keeps, you know, the game's too fast for him. So, um, okay. So maybe the consensus take here is <clears throat> Cade would have done worse than an eight for 29 clip than DJ coming in. It's yeah, possible. I, he could Maybe I find that he, hard to believe though. Yeah. I did okay. I did so let's just assume that's right. Why didn't they hand the ball off more? Yeah, so that's yeah. a good question. So another thing to point out here real quick about DJ's regression is earlier in the season, um, and he's exhibited this ability before, like he was placing balls like downfield or in the corner of the end zone right where they needed to be placed. And yeah. in this game, he was overshooting absolutely everybody. Like you could tell the confidence was gone and it wasn't there. And that's a regression that you've seen throughout the season. Last year, he actually uh, – there was progress that you saw in him. It was small, but at least there was incremental progress going on. And this year it's, it's the opposite. So why you continue to do that, why you continue to put him in bad situations, like look at the the Miami game, like the first two drives of the game, like it was beautiful. Like we were doing, getting quick passes across the middle um, to tight ends and to Antonio Williams and other receivers. And that was working and we were moving quicker. And DJ's even mentioned himself, like, you know, he doesn't have to think when we're going that fast, right? Like, why are you not calling the game like that or at least trying? I mean, maybe they saw something on, on tape of South Carolina and didn't feel like they would be, be able to do that. But whatever else they were doing sure as hell wasn't working. Um, and then the situations you put them in, like, 
why the hell we're throwing downfield to Davis Allen there in the fourth freaking quarter after we got lucky to get out of our own end zone with the face mask, then the pass interference call. Then on first down, you try to throw a bomb downfield at that point. We don't need that. Just keep moving the ball down the field while the offense has momentum. Like, why are you thinking all of a sudden that's going to work? So there's a coaching issue. And we, we, needed we, a sl- about- we needed a long drive then, Ben. Like we, our defense yeah. have been on the field a ton at that point. Like yeah. we needed mm-hmm. a, we needed to soak up clock. We had all the advantage. Just need a field goal. And what throws did you see from DJ in this game that made you think he would be able to make that one? Like, seriously. And, you know, Will Shipley was running well at that point. And, again, we can talk about DJ all we want. For me, the game turned and was lost, I think, uh, due to coaching on that cute little trickeration play after the safety. Like, you get the ball there as the offense um, had already gone – you know, two drives in the first quarter to put up 14 points, you get that safety to go up 16 to seven, you get that ball back and go down and score like different ball game could be, could be game over at that point. And to get cute like that at that moment um, for no reason, like mm-hmm. I know in hindsight, if it worked, we were like, Oh yeah, that was great. But still like that. Yeah. If we were down 16 to seven and, and like, you know, we're starting to see the game run away then yeah, get cute, you know, try to get some kind of spark. But, like, you don't need to do anything other than just play to your strengths. And we like to say this is a recycled Chad Morris playbook. But you guys probably remember, if you really think about it, like, there were plenty of times where, like, we would start to struggle with Taj. And instead of going back to the run game, we would just continually, like, press Taj to throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. And, like, you know, end up getting ourselves in a lot of trouble. Or we would get cute and have Samuel Watkins throw a pick into the end zone in the uh, 2013 Gamecock game, which I'll still never forgive him for that. Did you call him but... Samuel Watkins? <laughs> Samuel Watkins. I, I, I drank more um, at home for the last month than I uh, have in the last six months in SF. So my Sammy should have still... called the playoff. He should have called an audible and just run it, taking the, mm-hmm. taking the loss. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's – Again, I mean, we're not here, and I always hesitate to do this. I'm like, I'm not here to bash kids that are half my age. Like, and mm-hmm. I think all Clemson fans, um, the ones specifically that are, you know, being so harsh on players and calling them out and things like that, should really be ashamed of themselves because, you know, what are you doing? Um, you know, you know who should boys. also be ashamed of themselves, Ben? The proprietors of the cotton gin at five points saying Antonio Williams' nice hands on their marquee. Uh, yeah. Uh, Pretty lame. I mean, Eh, that's that's rivalry football. You know, that's not necessarily like attacking a kid's character or whatever. You know, I think it's okay to criticize the play. I think it's okay for teams to have fun with that. I mean, listen, South Carolina deserved all all the celebration and everything and all feeling high and mighty as they do after this game because they laid one on us and they ended a lot of streaks and they kept us out of the college football playoff. Like, um, you know, they deserve this for a year and then they'll go back to being what they are. Um most likely. Um, but Absolutely. yeah, again, again, we can talk about the players all we want and everything, but it just goes back. It, it's been the coaching and it's been the coaching over the last couple of years. And, you know, we talk about the wide receivers. There's talented, at least on paper, wide receivers on this team, but we've seen no development out of any of them. Maybe Bo Collins, like was the leading receiver in this game, two receptions for 65 yards. And I was like really excited early on about how good he was looking. And then he went down with injury and then nothing after yeah. that. Like we're just not, seeing development and it's overshadowing well, some development in other parts uh you know of the offense with you know the running backs have continued to progress the offensive line has gotten better um since last year but 
Tight ends have gotten better when we use them right. Yeah, well, and we can't we can't you know blame the O line on DJ. You know, I mean, the first four and a half quarter, four and a half, three and a half quarters, we're calling for like where are the tight ends? Then the one play you get Davis Allen involved. It's you don't need to yeah deep ball on one on one corner like you know in the middle give him. And Bo Collins was out. We need a boundary receiver, but it's not Davis Allen. I mean, yeah. I will say, I mean, we talked about the moment to insert Cade, and uh, you know, we don't need to belabor the point here, but we kept showing up with the ball inside our 10-yard line. Like, the time to do it would have been when DJ got hurt and the next time they scored and were kicking off to us. And we had decent field position. Like, mm-hmm. that's when you make that switch. But, I mean my God, in this game too, like we were not sending any pressure against their punter. He's sitting back there, putting it on a pedestal and kicking it exactly where he wanted. I mean, mm-hmm. we, again, we were like, so scared of the trick play that we left the defense out on the field. Like we got completely out coached in this game. And that's the 100%. second time this year we've been at out coached. You could argue more than that, Ben, to be honest. I mean, yeah. like wake forest game. I mean, anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> A lot yeah. we could pile on here into this show. Um, ben, you started. I do it. want to point out. I do want to point ahead, out one Jared. thing uh, because you know before we jump away from the offense, and this is just a something I noticed when I crunched the numbers earlier. I looked at ten years of our receiving numbers, and you can see within those ten years, like you know, we average you know about four four thousand to forty five hundred y- receiving yards per year most years. The last two years, we've been at like 50% of the amount of receiving yards that we normally get. So, okay, last two years, what are some commonalities? And this isn't to say it's, it has to be one or the other or whatever, but it just makes you think, right? It's like last two years, is DJ quarterback, it's Streeter calling the plays, it's Grisham coaching the wide receivers. Um, you know, it's Dabo having probably more hands on with the offense because he's got younger coaches on the offensive side. So... You know, it, I, I'm I'm not a big correlation equals causation guys uh, kind of guy, but um, something is there, and it's not good, and it's it's just looked like crap for the last two years. Well, and what Ben and I we've talked about it on the show here a few times is look like there are absolutely talented coaches on this offensive staff. Now they're all green at the same time. Like I think it's just the combination, whatever it all is. Like DJ is a talented quarterback. These are these guys know football. Absolutely. Like they've, they've been successful NFL players for Christ's sake. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they're it, it's it's the, but the problem is, you know, the whole is not greater than the sum of its parts with this offense. Mm-hmm. And why is that? None of us amateurs can really p- pinpoint that. What we know, though, is something's off. And the question now moving forward, not for the next two games, because I think Dabo, whether it's coach speak or not coach speak, the next two games don't expect much to change. Um, the question is moving forward for this program. And I want to get into a point of this show where I ask you guys, like, what is on Dabo's offseason to-do list if you were writing it and he could follow it mm-hmm. in terms of, and I'm, I don't mean firing his, his sons, you know, not his literal mm-hmm. sons, but maybe, but also his, his other sons, <laughs> um, you know, like not just firing the staff, like that's what everyone on TNET and Twitter and everything else is calling for. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, what else in the Dabo leadership philosophy tree are you going to make an adjustment to? Because I think running it out for year number three, as it's been, 
DJ could come back. Streeter could come like the entire staff. We could run it all back, bring everybody back. I don't think we're winning 10 games in the regular season next year. If we do that, this, this is where I give Davo the benefit of the doubt that he actually will make a train, a change. I think the streeter experiment, um, and it's only been one year, but you know, even if he's not the, the, the root cause, like, um, like that experiment has failed. And I think you need an overhaul of the coaching philosophy. You guys say that we recycled the Chad Morris playbook. We'll throw it in the damn compost, like get rid of it. Like, Bring in somebody from the outside. Ben, we're in California. A, People don't know what compost is. Compost <laughs> is where you throw your stuff that is biodegradable and that it rots into What's methane and it causes global warming. Um, <laughs> do that with the Chad Morris playbook. Um, All right. It's already been in it as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's that. And so I do think you have to stop. You need to start there and just have a refresh of the program, bring in an outside mind who has experience in college football, who has shown the ability to innovate uh, very much like, um, well, even with Chad Morris, like it, that was just an innovator and an up and comer and a guy that thought outside the box. He wasn't experienced obviously in college football, but it was something different. It wasn't from inside. So I think you have to start with the offensive coordinator and get Dabo's hands off of calling plays, which he definitely mm -hmm. Uh, took more ownership over now that Tony Elliott's gone. Um, and I think the only the, the position coach that we can obviously single out is is Tyler Grisham because we haven't seen development from the wide receivers. And you can say it's because DJ is uh, uh, not getting them the ball, but they've had like tons of drops over the past two years. The blocking technique is still absolutely garbage. Um, and so those are developmental issues. Again, these guys are highly rated on paper, and I hesitate to call them all bust because I find that to be extremely unlikely. Um, so I think it points to development. So I think you start with those two guys, um, Thomas Austin by, um, everything that we can see with the offensive line, there has been a progression this year. And I'm not sure how much, um, it, I think this is not talked about how much Tate going down had an effect on this game. I didn't think Mc, I thought McFadden let a couple guys get around, but overall I thought Thomas Austin, um, at least under him, the offensive line this year has shown improvement. First year O-line coach. Yeah. And yeah granted and he has been around. I mean, and I wanted to make this point, like, yes, it's Streeter's first year at the helm, mm -hmm. but some of the, some of the benefit of the doubt and the, the leeway and leash you would give a coach, you kind of got to pull back for Streeter because he's been in the program so long. Like he didn't have to mm -hmm. establish a relationship with the key players and the key assistants that he has. We should mm -hmm. use the same calculus and math and whatever you want to call it for Thomas Austin, but Regardless, you're right, Ben. The offensive line group has taken a step forward this year, and talent's coming in too. Like and the recruiting trail, he's been really effective. Yeah, so I'm optimistic there. Um, the running back position, you know, it's hard to to give C.J. Spiller too much credit at this point. We need to see all he does in recruiting. Um, but you know, those running backs are just you know really great running backs. Now, Phil Moffa. Here's another thing: when you keep running up the a gap, Phil Moffa is the only one that can move the move the pile up the a gap yeah we're still like running real shipley right in there and the the, the yards that shipley think, is gaining you go away from yeah. those plays towards the end of the Do you game, guys think so. shipley shipley struck me like i think he's dealing with an injury or something like he he did not look 100 percent in this game uh well he ran for 8.8 .8 yards of carry 132 yards so i mean um, he, i didn't say he wasn't tough but I, something doesn't seem right with shipley and i think it had like you're right, Ben, in terms of Mafa's ability to move the pile. Um, I don't know. Yeah, he could, yeah. He Thank could God be, we got Mafa. He could be injured. 
he could be a little injured, but it, you know, it's what you know, 12, 13 weeks into into playing college football. But like, he um, did, he did have a it's hand clear issue or something a couple games ago. He, it's pretty clear that he's like really displeased with the way that oh, yeah. the offensive play calling is going. And I think it, I remember when he first came in as a freshman, they were like, "This kid is trying to like lead us in the huddles and stuff like that." Because he's like, "If no one's gonna be a vocal leader after Trevor and Etienne leave, like I'll be that guy." So like he's always just been super intense and willing to step up. And I think, you know, from a conversation that I had online with a former player, one of the things that he didn't like when he saw Streeter, um, who was on the other side of the ball that he played on, was that he said that he's a guy that kind of lives with no accountability. And, you know, maybe that's uh, a little aggressive for us to say because it's it's like through the grapevine. But when you hear the way that Shipley kind of ripped into the, the offensive play calling, it was basically kind of just saying that, like, hey, I'm I'm coming over there and I'm telling them what I see. I'm saying this is open, you know, we, we should do this. And uh, then it's basically like, well, I'll just do my job because that's all that they want me to do. In all, in, in all these years under Dabo, I have never seen a player come out and say something like that, especially a player mm-hmm. of such prominence. Um, so right. that was really striking to me. And, yeah, you know, with, with Streeter, too, and he, he will lead the chorus of, you know, we didn't lose, lose this game because of DJ. You're also not going to win the game because of DJ. You know, yeah. Well, and he he was kind of throwing the receivers under the bus. I mean, I want to ask you guys, like, with Shipley being so vocal, and I'm sure he he feels like he's doing that out of like complete frustration. And there's no other. What other mm-hmm. outlet does he have if he's not being listened to? Maybe he'll go to the media. Who knows? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, it sure strikes me. I mean, if you're a receiver and you've got your OC out there being like, it wasn't DJ's fault. People couldn't catch a pass thrown their way. They had three mm-hmm. drops on the day. Give it four or five drops. Like that, that's not the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Horribly thrown I, balls. Horribly, like whether it's DJ or whether it's not, like I just don't know that you have the trust in your OC then. And if that's the case, mm-hmm. what's going to give here? Are they going to cycle through the rest of their offensive talent as sparse as that is for next mm-hmm. year through the transfer portal? Or are you going to make a change at OC? I think those are that's kind of like what's going to have to give here. And I One think again, I, I think Dabo has earned the benefit of the doubt. Um, I think we all believe the Cade should be starting the ACC championship game in the bowl game from here on out. And let's go ahead and move on and start the next era. Obviously, that's not going to happen starting with the ACC championship game. Um, but I still would like to give him the benefit of the doubt to see what happens this offseason because again, we have seen him do this before. Uh, the Napier experiment did not work got rid of him got rid of kevin Steele, and then what he brought in mm-hmm. was greater than that um he is on the outside up. and let exactly. those guys and he's influenced the coaching picks after what that right it has started to seem to me like is once Dabo reached the top of the mountain he then he has then tried to start doing with coaches what he tries to do with 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 players you know young men mm-hmm. high school guys bring them into the program develop them as, as young men and send them off into the world, you know, mm-hmm. as, as better people and set them up for success, success. Now it seems like he's trying to do that with coaching too and bring these guys up to the rink. And well, Debo's family tree looks like a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Um, his coaching tree does <laughs> um, like it's, you know, it's just not very lush. Um, mm-hmm. Even Napier, if we're going to claim him Frickly. down in Florida is, 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 you know, it's not going well for him so far. Um Jeff Scott has already been fired from USF. 
we'll see how Tony Elliott ends up doing at, at University of Virginia, but that has not proven to be his strong point, at least as far as developing the coaches, now bringing in outside mm -hmm. hires, that has worked well. Um, and so I think that's, like, it's going to be a tough decision for him to make. You know, if you get rid of all the yelling at the fans and, you know, being mad at anybody questioning him, part of all his comments after this, you do see the the part where he says, you know, we know what the issue, I know what the issues are. I'm the head coach. I'm the person responsible for making these decisions and I'm going to get it fixed. So he's brought us two national champions, take, take, taking us to four, you know, and we're not too far <laughs> removed from that. Now, are we on a decline? Absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, the South Carolina game was the thing, you know, winning that game was the thing that got him the job. He knows the importance of that. And I think this South Carolina game, um, you know, could very well, be a very important loss for Clemson in changing the direction of this program or turning it back around moving forward. Yeah, you just having... if he's gotten too stubborn. Go ahead, Jared. Go ahead. I was going to say, you, you just wonder if he's gotten a little too stubborn. I mean, um, when, when they kind of brought it up to him today, you know, about the passing game and, you know, we haven't had a 100 yard receiver in 14 games, like going back into last season. So Jared, can you, you know, do the quote so... real quick, just for those people that haven't, read or heard about it from the radio show i mean you can um, you can paraphrase but it's like dabo are you gonna make yeah, staff the, changes the, based on not having a passing game for two years now give or take yeah yep and he basically said that uh, i'm pretty much always gonna do what i feel is right you know and what what, he's, what are we supposed to say to that it's like okay so you're just never gonna like take a step back and reevaluate or, or well he then turned it into you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to coach my way. And if you want to critique how I do my job, you guys can hire somebody else to do it. Like he went from, yeah. I think like a, asking him to unpack how his, like why we are where we are and what adjustments mm -hmm. he's going to make specifically to the passing offense into yeah. <laughs> like, you know, we want to eat your head on a spike Dabo, which we do not. Now Dabo may no. not be a great, loser i mean he obviously honestly just hasn't experienced that a lot so <laughs> mm -hmm. we don't have many data points but yeah i mean like when that when his um kind of comments came out today i sent it to y'all i was like there it is we we're waiting for it we knew that was going to be coming mm -hmm. from him and i really wish he wouldn't be so petty right. and rise above that i mean honestly like i mean that's what he should be expected to do as a guy who makes what 11 11 and a half million dollars mm -hmm. a year um, why are you even entertaining any of that? Just, you know, swallow mm -hmm. your pride and say you'll get it fixed and leave it at that. Don't play in um, to all the fans complaining and everything out there because that's what fans are going to do. Like, mm -hmm. they want to win. That's that's yeah. that's what fans are. Fans are Hold not going to be when you lose and they're going to be yeah. happy and they're going to over-criticize when you lose and over-praise when you win. Um, and, and that's that's yeah. the job that that you have taken on. And if you think you're going to go somewhere else and it's going to be different, you're wrong. Well, the the funny part here is definitely people's expectations have risen as you win two natties, as you have 12 years in a row with 10 wins, all the success expectations rise. You know what elevates that expectation even higher when you make the brand of your program best is the standard, the best is yet to come. The fun is in the winning. Like when it's when it's just elevated and Dabo, I know Dabo uses that as recruiting tools and brand building tools for the program, 
but also that's a good way to raise that floor of expectations for people up yeah, to the it, point it, where it, having two tough seasons in a row isn't really accepted as much and it, it would be great at, we're, none of us are asking to be like best is no longer the standard or take the sign mm-hmm. down or whatever keep it up but you got to at least acknowledge that what what has been on the field the last two years is not meeting the standard and take accountability for that say that your coaches are accountable to that but also it's not just in the language it's in the action yeah and it, so and it's not it's not the fact that we've lost it's how we've lost Right. Right. Yeah. Two losses at back, go back to August. Like we were all talking like, yeah, we'll probably trip up a little bit in ACC play, like knowing what we have mm-hmm. coming in and Notre Dame's going to be a tough for Brody. I don't think any of us picked South Carolina as a loss. Yeah. Well, but... and, and Dava will throw out now to South Carolina's credit. They have, they, they are better this year than we thought they would. Sure. Be. Mm-hmm. They've Especially honestly the couple lost games. a couple of stupid games that they shouldn't have. And the record should be better. Um, yeah. Now that being said, Four out of our last five losses over the last two years um, are to teams with with much less talent. Now, Notre Dame, not much less talent. I'd say defense, they're really good. Offense, well, it turns out to be pretty comparable, but I would still say on paper we're a more talented team. Line and running game, yes. Their quarterback and receivers are dog shit. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, I said that already. And defense, we should be better. Um, and so that's the pill that's hard to swallow is that once you start losing to teams that you were more talented than that's when fans mm-hmm. are getting upset. That's when people start being like, what the hell is going on here? Um, this is not well, in a word, Ben, that's coaching. Like, isn't exactly. that coaching? That's coaching and leadership. Like, yeah. That's the equation. It's talent plus coaching equals product on the field. And, um, yeah, we've heard the talents there. This, this team is recruited and this is credit to, all the assistants whose names we mentioned, they should think about moving on from and Dabo and everybody else. Like talent's been good. It's as good as it's ever been. Right. At least on paper. Now, granted, we don't have Trevor. We don't have Deshaun. We don't have T Higgins. Like there are select pieces that are not at the elite of the elite in the sport anymore. And that, I think that helped mask over some stuff for quite some time. Like that's no shock. ETN, ETN had 1,600 yards of rushing two years in a row when we're throwing the ball like 41, 4,200 um, yards a game. And so I want you're, you're totally right, and that's something to unpack, but I did want to mention that this has been bugging me as Ben's been talking is, you know, Dabo's frustration and kind of snappiness at the people kind of criticizing him and him just kind of like really cracking under that pressure and saying like, well, if you don't like the way I'm going to do it, you can hire somebody else. It's like – I wonder if he is just getting ready, if he, if he's really taking that long, hard look in the mirror and he's just getting more and more frustrated at like the product on the field and like what his vision is actually producing versus what he thought he could do. And it's a, it's, it shouldn't be understated that is another good point from Ben that, you know, it seems like he went into this mode where he wants to try and develop these young coaches the way he's developed young men into great players. And it's, you know, there's, it's just a different game when it comes to that, literally where like you need to have experienced people like calling the shots and pulling the strings. And then you can guide those kids up. It's like, you can't have everybody be a work in progress on your I guess Jared, like Clemson fans as a collective would say, if you want to do that, Dabo, not on our time, right? Like, yeah. Go, I don't know, I don't know where he would go to do that, but not all at once. Yeah. Exactly. Like that's yeah. the thing. 
And well, and at what point yeah. are you doing disservice to these kids too by not pairing them with with you know the best qualified coaches? coaches. Yeah, yeah right. then they're gonna exactly. stop coming to you. Hundred mm percent. -hmm. It's the fa the fastest path to destroying a college football program that's elite is to no longer get elite talent to come through the doors. Mm -hmm. Best way innovative. to do that. Best way to do that is for them to not think that they're going to be coached up and where their talent's going to be maximized so that they can move on to the next level. Yeah. And that big flashy building, that's only going to last so long because other teams are going to catch up. College football is always evolving. Um, programs are always on the move we, to try to get one up on yeah. each other. And now you got the transfer portal. Now you got NIL. Well, do we need to talk about the media deals that all the other conferences have that Clemson will not have because we're in the dog shit ACC? Like, yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's the other thing about winning 10 games and going to the ACC championship in probably the worst conference in college football. We're in the SEC. Like, how many wins do we have this year? Depends if we're in the east or west, but yeah, it's uh, we like to five say, or six. We, yeah, we, we like to we like to tout the record that Davos had against the SEC, but I mean, the product you put on the field, and you know what, though, guys, pathetic, yeah. Uh, we, we oh. probably have like three or four wins in conference, but wouldn't that be an accelerator to making the right kind of changes and like revamping things? I mean, the yeah, ACC, I think, or it could just I, be I think people, that's like, where we freak all feel boot Dabo, yeah. I think that's where we all feel we've it's gotten a little stale talking about winning the ACC because it's just not a good conference. It's not an accomplishment. No, not. not it it, yeah. I mean, it is when you're going undefeated in a conference and blowing out teams by 30, 40 points in the ACC championship game. But now we're going to go play a North Carolina team that just lost two games at home. Like. I mean, good for these kids, good for the kids. If they're able to bounce back from this and, and go out there and win the football game, hoist that trophy, like I'm going to be proud of them. I'll be a, a proud Clemson oh, yeah. fan. Absolutely. We're but, X minutes into this show here. And like, I just feel bad right now for KJ Henry, Jordan McFadden, guys that came back for their sixth year, fifth year, fourth year, whatever it is. Um, that they don't get a chance to play for a playoff game. Cause I think that they, again, in the ACC and Clemson's path to it, you know, should it, should have gotten there and mm -hmm. are not going to get that chance, um, which sucks. But do I think Clemson would have held up in a playoff matchup? Not based on what I saw Saturday. No, absolutely not. And that but, doesn't matter know, as much as making it. You know? Yeah, exactly. Because then you get the experience for the players. That's still a notch in your belt uh, for the program and something to build upon for next year. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how these last two games go. Um, with the win in the ACC championship game, that still set us up, I guess, for a New Year's Six game which no, is gonna be a... you win your conference you're automatically in yeah the orange bowl would be the one we would get guys so, like yeah. everyone's talking about it being alabama they're going to the sugar bowl if georgia beats lsu we're gonna get tennessee in the orange bowl that's pretty nice. much gonna happen nice battle the teams who <laughs> right. lost to south carolina yeah that just mm -hmm. and south carolina is still gonna be unpleasant meineke car care bowl or jiffy lube or mayo or Jesus whatever or whatever yeah whatever um i mean we're there's obviously we could silver lining this game but they're really mm -hmm. like let's do it real quick hats off jeremiah trotter hell of a game good job yep. you know there were just stellar performances throughout this game 
and key moments. Just the collective mm -hmm. wasn't there. Like we don't want to discredit or downplay the effort of these of this team. Um, you really felt for it was just a heart wrenching loss. Um, mm -hmm. How bad do? We... Oh, go yeah. ahead. How bad do we beat South Carolina if you switch quarterbacks and we have Spencer Rattler? Can we get his O line as well? <laughs> Is that allowed? Like, well, no, we keep our O line. I mean, credit to their fucking O line, man. Like, we did not get pressure enough, and Rattler just picks mm -hmm. us apart. We said that, Ben, last week. Like, that was that was what it would take, and it mm -hmm. happened. It happened enough. Like, they didn't yeah. put 50, a fifty burger on us, but um, I don't know. I thought they played their offensive line play well, mm -hmm. and so. I mean, one last thing as we wrap it up here on the offense, um, what I've seen, what I've, what is now kind of revealed itself um, here after the last game of the regular season is how many times have we seen the offense get off to a good start this year and then just sputter for the rest of the game? That's on coaching. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is squarely on coaching. That means either yeah, we, imposing defense adjusted to you and you weren't able to make the adjustments, or you Tony just Elliott could do that. Tony plan. Elliott adjusted. Now, granted, that was probably the guy's a tinkerer, engineer. You know, he had a deep playbook that he had command of. Mm -hmm. He knew what to run, um, and he was willing to experiment. Like I think that's that's what made Tony who he was, and he had a lot of experience. Wait, too, were you about to say that's what made Tony Elliott a great offensive coordinator after we? <laughs> Harped on him for years. No, no, no. Was I bad, didn't say but... that. I didn't say that. It was by the. I think he 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 kept running the same you know tired playbook um, that didn't maximize talent. But I mean, would you? Uh, what would our record be this year if Tony was our offensive coordinator? Probably twelve and out. Yeah, or eleven nah, and one. Nah, nah, eleven and one. <laughs> Still losing every day. I mean, the personnel has thing. something to do with it. That's the thing, though, is that like we really did, and we can all say we saw more tight ends, more over the middle, and when DJ was cooking for like games like two to six or something, I mean, he was literally floating it into that corner route, right into the bread basket as they're about to step out of bounds, and he was hitting uh, Antonio Williams it. in stride on a quick, quick. Uh, you know, quick slant and stuff. And he was like making all these plays. I was going, holy shit. Like he's made a lot of strides, but I guess maybe the question is like, if you had a quarterback that didn't get in his head and then eventually just regress to, you know, C team level uh, quarterback, um, like it, do we just murder people by 20 points every game? If they can just make basic throws and not, be too worried about overthrowing or underthrowing or getting picked. Yeah, and I guess you can only do there. that to a certain extent before that becomes stale and, and people start catching on. Um, mm -hmm. But you can at least try it for part of the game. I mean, know, see if it sticks. Ben, ben may not want me to take it here, but should we just earlier in the season have gone with Cade and just ri ride with Cade? Like, how how bad could he be? Truly. I don't know if they're not ready to go with him now. And it's hard. Like if, if they had question marks with him earlier in the season, when you still have the playoff hopes on the line, I, I, I think you got to ride with what you truly believe is, is your best option. And, you know, if we're to believe Dabo and Streeter, that's, 
that DJ has been the best option, then that just means Cade is not developed and is not ready yet. Um, I think they now, don't why want to believe we, why we're not doing who's that his quarterbacks now? coach. <laughs> yeah, Streeter. Yeah, I just think they don't want to believe that DJ is going to get worse every game. And as uh, you know, as they say somehow it got worse. Well, I just think so much, so much of Dabo's approach to this season. Let's use the word. His ego is wrapped up in DJ's yeah. success of this year. You heard it mm-hmm. in the off-season, preseason chatter. He's just so yeah. invested. Immediately coming off the field of Syracuse, the you know fans were still storming the field, and he's like, "DJ's our starter for Notre Dame." Like, period. Let's put that to rest. Mm-hmm. Put that to rest. Um, like, so much of that is invested in DJ being the starter and finishing the season and having a bounce back. And I don't know if that's like this is just a prolonging of Dabo's, you know, kind of ego about it or whatever it is, or if truly like Cade can't figure it out. Cade can't process the playbook, can't process the speed of the pass rush. Like, you know, can't, can't make his reads or progressions Mm -hmm. or anything like it. Both things can be true. Right. But um, if that's the case, like I would hope they'd be able to dedicate some development, developmental focus to Cade to bring him along somewhat. Throughout the yeah, they should have been year. giving him snaps. They should have been giving him way more snaps. And even when we're up, just to like put him out there, get him those snaps. Because what's going to happen is next year, hopefully DJ transfers to UCLA or, or something, and you're going to have uh, Cade Dame. and and Vizina starting or competing to start, and you're going to have two guys who have relatively no experience. When you could have had Cade with you know a couple quarters worth of real snaps. You know, going let him spell. play half of the Louisville game. Like that game was never yeah. in question. Like, mm-hmm. let him play the second half. It, See, they felt they like they, get... to, they felt like they had to keep DJ in there to keep his confidence yeah. high while he was doing well. But still, you know, the other you know thing we're not talking about here is fifteen turnovers in the last five games. That's true. No, more than that was going. That was coming into the game, right? Yeah, that was fifteen. In the that last was with this. Okay, five. yeah. And twelve in the last four prior to that. Oh yeah, three game. But what? And like, let's do the thing. Why do we think that happened? Is it lack of attention to detail? Is it? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's wild. Anyway, offense not right. Mm -hmm. A lot of lot of factors. Um, like, what confidence do you guys have? Thankfully, the salve. For this kind of thing is playing a North Carolina defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't know what to expect in this game. I'm um, I'm not making <laughs> predictions anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just it's hard. Um, it's yeah. I did like, and I it's it's hard to know what is the real quote or the real attitude because they go back and forth. But you know, I think it was Tiger Illustrated or, or one of them that posted. It was like the article title was like um, DJ has quote no room for error Cade will be ready to play or something like that but it's like they were paraphrasing a data quote but yeah yeah exactly and um so yeah that's how it should have been after the like boston college game or the florida state game or, or something like that where it's like hey like it's not that we don't love the kid and care for him it's like this is a d1 college football program that's competing for national titles you know every year for the last like six years almost so you know you either got it or you don't 
and we're gonna test people to make them see who's got it and who don't, who doesn't. Yeah. Is that a All list right. of uh, potential offensive coordinators on your fridge there, Jared, behind you? Uh, no, only our got, YouTube only got... subscribers can see this list. Go to youtube.com slash Clemson podcast. Check out Jared's short list. Yep. It, it is uh, actually pretty good, but the real only short list is um, offensive coordinator Ryan Day from uh, Ohio State after they fired him for losing one game this season. He so, yep, be... you're welcome. Yeah. No. Man, what bowl? They might go to the Rose Bowl. I guess. They're definitely going to go to the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. <clears throat> Fuck Ryan Day. I don't want him. All right. Move on to the defense. Uh, man, we need a pick me up guys. Uh, because what I want to get into is all this crap with the offense has taken our eyes off the fact that we thought this was going to be a top five defense. Lo and behold, we got about a top 20 defense. That being said, the defense is not why we lost Notre Dame. The defense is not why we lost South Carolina. I think the defense would be why we'd ultimately get exposed in the college football playoff. I'm fine with year one, Wes Goodwin. I mean, yes, yeah. you could. We were all expecting a drop off from Venables. If the, if a top twenty is what you get with this caliber of talent, though, what are we going to see next year? A lot of the, I mean, this is going to be an ultimate question coming into the off season. That I bet a lot of these rising juniors, you know, guys who've exhausted their three years, who have a choice to transfer or go to the draft, like, do they want to come back and play for this collective coaching staff or not next year? Mm-hmm. Like, do they all opt back in? leave a bad taste in their mouth after the South Carolina game. Like, do they want to come back? Um, but it, let's just say they don't. You give Wes Goodwin, you know, two-thirds of the talent that he's had or less, and mm-hmm. we're in top 20D, what does this look like? Yeah, I think the big issues with our defense this year, um, obviously starting the season, I mean, the secondary coming in was already going to be a concern. Um, and then we had all the injuries at the beginning of the season. Now, I have been optimistic about the progression, at least from the cornerback position this year. The safeties leave some more to be desired. Makuba did not have a good game. Obviously, there was a lot of, um, you know, big. Mickens had a targeting. Plays. Yeah, Mickens right. had a targeting, um, but he's, you know, played really well. Um, but, you know, at least from the cornerback position, and once certain guys started getting healthy, um, you know, Fred Davis obviously being out, at least in that, Malcolm Green, we have lost some guys, but overall, I thought from the guys that are in there, at least from the younger guys, I've been optimistic about their improvement. Um, the other big issue has been the defensive line that just did not materialize this year like we thought it would for various factors. One, XT not coming back or only being able to come back in a limited capacity for a couple of games and then before having to end his college career. Miles um, Murphy is mm-hmm. like you hardly ever hear his name. Um, so <clears throat> you question that there. And, you know, the big issue in this game um, you know, was the big downfield passing plays. And that was because we weren't getting pressure on Spencer Rattler. Guys weren't getting home across the defensive line mm-hmm. um, and leaving our secondary out there to have, having to you know, either cover for too long or they were just, you know, had bust in coverage. So um, I give Wes Goodwin a pass for this year, especially, you know, for him being the, the, the first year in this in this position as a defensive coordinator, I said it a couple of shows ago. I think the combination of two green um, coordinators 
was not great. <laughs> and I was mm -hmm. fine with Goodwin. I would have brought somebody else in on the offense. Um, but listen, Goodwin's a guy that, you know, Brent Fittables wanted to take with him. Um, so I, I want to give this guy time still um, mm -hmm. to see how things can develop. Now we're going to head into next year with some gaps at defensive end. Like who's going to plug in there? We have absolutely no clue. Defensive tackle um, does per se come back. I think it's a strong possibility. Um, and then we've got some other guys um, in the center there that I think we'll be able to trust. Um, the linebacker position has played, you know, has gotten better across the season. I think the secondary is going to be continue to improve next year. So I, I still think we're in a fairly decent spot on the defensive side of the ball. Um, surely there are improvements to be made. You can talk about Mickey Kahn in the second in the, in, uh, as the safety coach. Um, and so maybe there's some tweaks there because that being you know, really the most glaring weakness on this defensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. But overall, um, I thought Wes has you know, made adjustments when he needed to um, during the second half of games this season. The defense really locked down. And overall, I, I, I thought they played well enough for us to be undefeated. That's for sure. Yeah, it's uh, I've been thinking, like, what is it about two green coordinators that we're going to give one of them a lot more kind of benefit of the doubt versus another? And, I mean, one of it could just be, like, the raw talent, like, that both of them got were different. You know, at the skill position for Goodwin, I mean, yeah, we didn't do as – we didn't perform as well as we did, but, like, just the raw talent of, like, who's in the D-line, the front seven – you know, and then some of the some of the back four, um, I feel is like much higher than like the receivers and DJ on the offense. So it could be that like both of them are just trying to implement their system, and it's just eat, like Goodwin has more to work with. So um, there were some things that I saw throughout the year that were like, I'm not an expert, but you know, like at no point did I feel like we were trying to build consistent rhythm with who was on the D line. It was like you know, four people out and then constantly just rotating people, rotating people. And it's like, I know you're trying to preserve them, but like, they're not, they can go two drives with the same four D linemen, you know. Well, it didn't seem like part. tactically driven, like, Oh yeah, this down and distance, this, this situation on the field, this combo of four is just going to shut this drive down. But which, like, which guys yeah. are we talking about? Cause I feel like KJ Henry was in there pretty much all the time. Same thing with Tyler Davis per se was having to be running out when he was playing just because he wasn't in game shape and having missed so much time. And Justin Maskell was thrown in there to replace miles Murphy. try to light a fire under his ass. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you would, you would see, you would see TD and XT in there. Uh, or not, uh, not actually, TD and Brzee in there. And the next play, you'd see Peyton Page and Rook. Or, you know, you'd see KJ, you know, get swapped out or all that kind of stuff. Not an X and O, X and O guys. There, there, maybe there's a better reason for it or it's just part of like certain looks. I think, but, yeah, running versus passing downs, you'll, you'll throw different personnel in there for sure. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would give Wes a pass. I mean, being the first his first year also Streeter's first year but I think that it, it probably just comes down to a lot of like he had more to work with and I think maybe it's just he's it takes more accountability for like how the defense looks and it feels like Streeter you know uh calls his plays wants his scheme and then you know the receivers are being developed by the receivers coach maybe or like the, the quarterback which is his job is not you know, doing well, and he doesn't want to risk um, pissing off Dabo by trying to substitute Kate in there. 
more often. So he's kind of hamstrung. Like what if that was the root of all this is like Streeter has a lot better handle of what he wants to do, but like Dabo just will not let him switch quarterbacks. Entirely possible. I'd give that like a 15% likelihood, right? Sure. Of, like, I don't think Brandon Streeter doesn't know how to coach an offense or like call, mm-hmm. develop an offense, like set up a, a scheme and like go, go deploy it. <coughs> yeah. Dabo meddling probably happening. Right. Um, yeah. I guess on the you. defensive side, for me, like what we've heard, there's a lack of that like intensity, which, which is a little strange because <clears throat> obviously Brent Venables, like you're not replacing all the things that that guy brought, but you have enough coaches that were, that were here already. And you got these like senior tenured players as well. Mm-hmm. Should have promoted Smotherman, the get pet coach instead of West probably. <laughs> That's yeah. That, well, what I've heard, there's your intensity. What I've heard too was that, like, um, really kind of on both sides of the ball, there's not really been um, a lot of vocal leaders stepping up to like make the team be accountable to one another, like there used to be in the past. You know, again, coming from stuff I read from a former player that was on the scout team defense, where he just kind of outlined, like, hey, like, you know, there's it, there, that that level of accountability and leadership just isn't there. Yeah, I mean, you've got Will Shipley, you know, on on the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so we got a message from Tully. Um, somehow having a coughing fit because I'm allergic to shitty intensity on D. Um, so Tully's mm-hmm. taking a break here while he um, gets his breath back. Um, That's pretty. Let's see. On the defensive side of the ball, KJ Henry, maybe. I mean, we're missing that linebacker like Skalski and Ben Bulware type. Yeah. Certainly. Um, from this year, but also a lot of these guys are, you know, young. The seniority really on this team was across the defensive front. I think Xavier Thomas probably would have been that guy had he been able to get on the field more this year, and possibly the same thing with Brian Brisset. Um, But when you're just not seeing the field a lot, it's kind of hard to be that guy. You're kind of relegated to being a cheerleader on the sidelines instead of the, you know, the intense presence on the field itself. Um, so, yeah, I do think I, I think leadership is another big overall topic affecting this team um, or the lack thereof um, that certainly, you know, could be, you know, a big part of the reason why the turnovers have been such an issue or, you know, whatever. Um, you, but I, I still think I was impressed by the team as a whole, able to bounce back mm-hmm. from the Notre Dame game. I want to see how they play against North Carolina and see if they bounce back. Um, from the loss against South Carolina, because that will at least tell me that Dabo has not lost this team. Um, and once mm-hmm. you see a head coach start to lose the team, that's when you really should start getting concerned um, mm-hmm. that the end may be near. Um, and, you know, in Clemson fans, Clemson basketball fans specifically should know that all too well. Um, uh, Brad Brownell is still here, <laughs> despite mm-hmm. his records. Um, he, he, his teams play hard to the end. Um, and I think that's a big reason why he's you know still here. So what are we going to see out of this team uh, this Saturday? Um, we'll see. And I think maybe there's a, there's quite possibly a lot more leadership in the locker room and on the field that we really know about. Um, just because mm-hmm. they're not the vocal ones in the media um, and everything doesn't mean that that isn't present. So um, and kind of going back to that, um, you know, Wes Goodwin probably to his benefit. I think one of his greatest as- attributes is he doesn't really 
say much. <laughs> Streeter can, you know, says probably too much in in being defensive and defending himself. And West just kind of puts his head down and, and goes back to work. So I don't know. This is but new he, territory. He probably got that from Venables. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is new territory, you know, for all of us. We were definitely on a, the, the backside of the, you know, going downhill from the pinnacle. Now the question is, is it, you know, just a little, a shallow valley or is it a chasm? Um, mm-hmm. we don't know that yet. We can try to predict, but the, you know, we don't know. We're going to have to see what Debo does in the offense or in the off season and see what type of development we see, see how the team comes out and plays this Saturday, what we see in the bowl game and then what changes are made in the off season leading into next year. And I think what, what's going to lift all boats here is bringing elite talent into the program. Like one year ago in the midst of that season last year, I think what we were most concerned about was not the season itself, but the prospect or specter of losing all of our senior talent going to the draft, seeing guys exit through the transfer portal to more NIL rich Mm -hmm. programs, and then having like a big drop off in recruiting. Knock on wood, fortunately, it looks like from the defensive side, we're going to be pulling in a good amount of talent here in the 2023 class. I will chalk that up almost entirely to hiring Nick Eason. So Credit yeah. to Dabo. He brought in an outside guy. Now, granted, the guy, I went to college with the guy at Clemson. Like, he is a Clemson guy. He checked both boxes. He checked the Dabo box, and he checked the outside box, you know, that brought in a lot of good talent. Some of them Auburn recruits mm-hmm. at the time. Um, so, anyway, like, for the time being, it's like a stay on the defense at the very least reloading, which is great news. Mm-hmm. I think ongoing, you got to see that. We haven't seen that elite caliber of offensive recruit in the wide receiver room in quite some time. Mm-hmm. You know, we've, we've been picking away at some four-star slot guys. We seems like we hit on Antonio Williams. We're all very excited about Adam Randall. Look, those guys were in state South Carolina guys. Like I would hope we would get them. You know, we took mm-hmm. Antonio Williams away from South Carolina at the last minute. Are we like, I think we've taken a big step back in recruiting on the offensive side in the state of Florida since Jeff Scott left and haven't replaced that, haven't rebuilt those high school coach relationships to pull in those recruits. Seems like we still, I mean, we're basically the top team recruiting in Al- the state of Alabama right now. Chris Vizina is coming. You know, we just pulled, um, not, I was going to say Toriano pride, but he's already on the Tigers. Um, <laughs> hopefully this recruit is not listening to this show, but um, a defensive line recruit who's a five-star uh, from Phoenix City, Alabama. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, like, you know, things are looking pretty good on the recruiting side for Clemson right now. That is the Which place is to watch. Like, that is a leading yeah. indicator of the healthier yeah. program. So, mm-hmm. um, and but like, all the more reason get... and all the more maddening that we've had the last few seasons because on paper, like, <laughs> the, talent's the most there. talented teams. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we don't I, have I the generation like, talents. Is that's part yeah. of the problem? And, and going back to the Antonio Williams part of it, like we offered him at the last minute. What if we didn't have him on this team this year? Same goes for Makuba. Last year, Dabo was like, mm-hmm. I think we're good on numbers. I forget who it was. Maybe Mickey, whoever it was, like kudos to Mike Reed or mm-hmm. Mickey Khan, who was like, No, we mm-hmm. got to go offer Makuba. We can get him from Texas. Freshman e- year starter. ETM was a last minute. Safety. ETM was a last minute pick. Yeah, I mean, Trayvon Mullen right. was back in the day. Like, there's a lot of these yeah. cases where coin flip, you know, decision mm-hmm. late at night over a box of Papa John's. Like, yeah, let's go ahead and <laughs> offer these guys. Like, I just think and maybe this brings us to, we haven't mentioned the words 
transfer portal or NIL yet on this show yet. Um, I think one of the things that we want Dabo to think about reforming or evolving his philosophy or maybe opening himself up a little bit to progress is like, do what you do Dabo. Like you, you recruit really well. You identify talent really well. You create brands, you create catchphrases. Like you, you know, you, you establish these things. You're successful when you focus on something. Do mm-hmm. that with talent acquisition right now. Like evolve that, make that happen through the transfer portal. I know you've made promises to recruits. You've made promises to guys on your roster right now. Times have changed. The, the system around college football has changed. I don't think any of those guys would fall Dabo if we had, if we happen to have some departures that were unexpected mm-hmm. being like, you know, we've got some slots to fill. There's some good talent that I think meets our culture. Like go be real with your players about, about your changing philosophy. And, you and half those guys mm-hmm. are going to leave that you bring in anyway. Yes. We were down to Carson Donnelly playing safety in this game. I mean, right. and, and so, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you have no you're, choice. You're totally if right. You have totally. to do all those stuff. things you're good at and you can still use the transfer portal. You still have an ability to identify high character young men who are going to come in and, and buy into the philosophy and the culture of your program. And it's only going to help to elevate everybody else. Like, you know, and if the guys are feeling like they're getting passed over, they'll leave. Like they're doing that anyways. Yeah. They're doing it anyways. So, yeah, I mean, Cole Turner so, is not so going so, Like, exactly. Like, nor should he. Like you don't need to yeah. fill half your roster with transfer guys. Alabama isn't doing that. Georgia isn't doing that. Right. You just need the right Georgia guys. Zero the this right year. Spots at but, the time. And we got, they're also the number one. We got one. Hunter Johnson. Oh, no, Georgia just took zero this year. Is that what yeah, you're they don't need to, though. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But also because they take Matt. So here's the thing. You can have it one of two ways. Mind the portal where you have the need. Please do that. Or plan for attrition, sign huge classes, pad your numbers. It's going to play out. Like I, I haven't looked at the numbers in a while, but we were running basically on self-imposed sanctions for several years in yeah. a row just in terms of guys that have left the program, like eight unused scholarships that we were giving to walk-ons. Look, we love a Mm walk-on here. Um, We don't love eight Mm walk-ons. I love, there's one walk-on I love. Yes. The right behind Ben's computer is a human sized pinup of Hunter Renfro. (laughs) Yeah. He, uh, he, he picked Hunter up and threw him in a uh, scanner himself. That's right. In new Orleans. Um, Yeah. I mean, I just going back to like Dabo, like I think now's a moment where I'll be optimistic, usually not my style, but I will be optimistic and say like, I think Dabo is going to come out with a fresh, fresh brand, fresh pearl of wisdom or something that really states like a new direction for the program, maybe for the offense that is like, it's not, it's along the lines of best as a standard, but like, you know, when people think about Clemson football, they think about Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, like, the offense is really what comes to mind. I think of defense more so, but um, I, I could see Dabo like focusing on what are, what is the direction of the program in the next X amount of years? Like this can give him a rejuvenation in his, mm-hmm. this current phase of his career, which I think would be good. And he loves playing the over- underdog, right? That's what he excels at. Um, so, and, and, and he doesn't like losing these games, not just because he has to hear from, you know, dumbasses like us, but, um oh, yeah but like he's he's a competitor he doesn't lose this nobody he is the, a listener of the show nobody in the so, in yeah. the building that was happy 
um, in that football facility that was happy about losing to South Carolina, happy mm -hmm. about losing to Notre Dame. So, um, yeah, I just I, I hope you're right, Tully. Um, and I think he has it in him if he will embrace that. Um, you have to evolve in college football. The landscape is constantly shifting and changing. You see what's happening with the conferences. You saw what happened with the transfer portal. You saw what happened with NIL. And the teams that were, you know, successful five, six years ago are not going to remain successful if they keep doing the same thing they were doing five or six mm -hmm. years ago. It's just not going to happen. So one thing I'll say, and maybe we'll end on a positive, is I wasn't – Jarrett, you were at these games. You could tell me. I don't know how yeah. – Conscious you were in these games, but, uh, you know, Graham Neff is up there once a half pleading with fans to join the NIL collective, contribute, mm -hmm. like put your money where your fandom mouth is, help us build an NIL collective at Clemson that, mm -hmm. you know, establishes us as an elite college football program. That's the athletic department, official athletic department. That's not, you know, Clemson Tom out there mm -hmm. passing the plate you know, for NIL money, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll respect to Clemson Tom. Like it is yeah. Graham freaking Neff, our new AD who is mm -hmm. out there doing this. Like that is a good sign to me. I'm taking that as a positive, yeah. but he's out there yeah, telling and that, the boosters. Like it's not just Ipte money we need. We need like double that, <laughs> put some yeah. in this bucket too. I'm only contributing to NIL funds for transfer portal players. <laughs> to like build that. a physical portal we'll get a we'll yeah, get a we'll... podcast gofundme that'll directly be used for portal nil you want yeah, extra 37 dollars in your pocket come to clemson that's right yeah exactly you want two things of uh bojangles bowberry biscuits once a week come to clemson yeah i would say okay here's a hot take for cody since he can't be with us uh i would say Wes Goodwin, if you look at the two coordinators, right? Wes Goodwin, at the, when it, by the end of the year, will say, you know, he left us with a little bit to be desired, but Brandon Streeter left us sick to the stomach. Thoughts? We expected yeah. Wes Goodwin to have the defense performing worse than Venables, and we expected mm -hmm. Streeter to have it performing better than Tony Elliott. I think, like, what... The defense is maybe worse than we expected. They're not top five, but Streeter did improve on Elliott, but there's enough to be seen that I think your prognosis is right, Jarrett. I would also like yeah. to point, I would, the, the caveat there being that when your offense is performing as abysmally as it has, and you're turning it over three times a game and putting your defense in shitty situations with short fields, that's hard on a defense to keep running it out there. I've, I think the defense has played a lot better than, than most people you know, have the impression this year. I, 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 I've, I have not nearly had many issues with the defense. Yeah. You can say the Wake Forest game. We're still dealing with, you know, fresh, you know, young guys in the secondary there. We've had, you know, injury issues across our monstrous defensive line. Maybe you can say not moving um, Trent Simpson back to the sand position um, earlier. It was yeah. maybe a miscoaching call until it was the hand was forced because of injury. Um, but it's like willingness to make those adjustments soon enough that I think will come with time for Goodwin. Um, by my count, though, Ben, like from Syracuse on in the meaningful games, our defense allowed seven points a half, like on average. If you take out short fields created by the offensive turnovers, short of South Carolina, you had like the Makuba bust, don't need to get into that, but 
Um, if you want to give the defense credit for Trotter's points that he put on the scoreboard, like mm-hmm. it's doing even better than that. So, I mean, this game was a complete shit show. I don't, the defense, I guess, is allowed to have that once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Can we stop talking about the South Carolina game and the trajectory of the program? I mean, do you guys have any, any parting thoughts we haven't hit on yet? Like, coaching changes you want to see happen i mean i think we I think it's pretty clear at this point where we are yeah, there's um, one thing i want to say is that you know we talked a lot about the transfer portal for like students and it's like oh if i'm being passed up i'm going to transfer but it's made me wonder you know if i'm somebody that's spent 10 years 20 years developing myself as a position coach for college football and then i look over and there's a guy who has almost no experience get a position coach job and then i see that position group start to like suck and like not be great you know is there a possibility where like if Dabo rides or dies with some of these um fresher coaches and they start to underperform more do like the more anchors Mm -hmm. of the team um and those coaches take a hike and enter the assistant coaches transfer portal and leave us even thinner where he's maybe just going to fill it with even more um you know uh, people from Dabo land to run the program. No, valid point. Um, hope not. <laughs> like, yeah. completely valid, though. I mean, that is, you're maintaining a culture throughout. And granted, you know, it's it meant to be a family. They help each other out, that kind of thing. It's not just like mercenaries ain't here, but mm-hmm. absolutely valid. And um, you're going to have to see, it's tough because, like, I mean, what is Clemson's assistant salary pool right now? I know when Venables and Elliot were there, they were like two of the top five paid assistants. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, again, I think we all hope there's new leadership on the offensive side coming up soon. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you have to fire these guys out of the program entirely, though. We should note that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like... I don't know. We, we need to have an episode coming up with like design your ultimate coaching refactor for Clemson for this off season. We will not do it mm-hmm. here on this show because we've already been going a while. Um, and we got to see what this North Carolina game is all about. I just yep. think, yeah, if a couple plays have gone our way against Notre Dame and South Carolina and we're in the playoff, like all is not well with the foundations of the program. Like there's kind of cracks mm-hmm. in a lot of places. These can be productive losses. You know, if Dabo yeah. is really willing willing to evaluate stuff, I think, Ben, you were alluding to that earlier. Um, but you're right, Jared, that if he just doubles down and stays stubborn in terms of, like, having his guys there, if you're Lemansky Hall, if you're Mike Reed, I'm most concerned about mm-hmm. Mike Reed and losing him. Um, what does that say to you? What signals does that send? You know, could you mm-hmm. find yourself in a different defense elsewhere with a path to coordinator at some point? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, over Let's under game, over under three mm-hmm. and a half series before we see Kate on the field. On over, uh, over, they'll take yeah. it under than that. Yeah, yeah, I would take the over, even if you said six to seven series. <laughs> what about if DJ throws three straight interceptions? <laughs> I think um, he one, he might be out of there. I think you're right. Maybe oh. picking the over just because North Carolina, their defense. Yeah. Sucks. Yeah. See, the thing is, South Carolina's defense sucks. Like, yeah. I, especially for, if, against the run. I do wonder. Yeah, if DJ, if, 
I do wonder with Dabo knowing. I, I do wonder with Dabo knowing how bad North Carolina's defense is, and he's seen what that this team can put up points against bad defenses. Um, just because. Yeah, he's gonna be like, "Oh, DJ had a great game, ha!" Let Told DJ you. go out See? with the ACC championship game victory. Mm-hmm. Send him off into the sunset, and then have Cade start the bowl game. Look, the Hawaii Warriors <laughs> can use a leader at that position. Yep, mm-hmm. I'm afraid he's going to go to Notre Dame and like Never, win the Heisman no way. next year. Yeah, it would. I I think after they beat the living tar out of him, that's that's the other. Like, why would they want to? And their their quarterback that was injured is a true freshman. But I get your concern. He would do great as a Maryland Terrapin, where we don't ever have to see him again. That it's a really great question that all along, all season, Dabo has even seemed to indicate this is DJ's last with the program. Mm-hmm. When he steer, still has a year yeah. of eligibility. He left. he graduates in December though. Two. Just yeah. he has yeah. two years yes. of eligibility left. But he could still come back. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely can come back. I, let me ask you guys this. What are the mm-hmm. odds he's the starting quarterback against Wofford week one next year? Like, I'd have to lay some odds out. Uh, you, guys are, you guys are out on that? Like, I'm not saying that's a zero chance. I would I'm, say 30. I'm going that's like 40%. a 33% chance. Yeah. Wow. That's – I mean, I did notice in, in, like, August when they were talking in those first team meetings, they were – saying Dabo kept saying, like, he's a great kid. He's going to graduate in December. He's going to graduate in December. And I thought that was maybe kind of like a um, – to use a term Cody is familiar with, like a dog whistle for us to be aware of that, um, you know, maybe he's Dabo saying, hey, he's going to graduate. He's going to get out of here. Yeah, that, and that's what I was alluding to. It's just kind of tongue-in-cheek. Dabo has said some things that makes you seem like it's – make makes it seem like it's been a foregone conclusion that this is his last year. And it does mm-hmm. make me wonder about what conversations have been had um, – I mean, why why would he not say otherwise if he really believes in DJ and thinks he needs to keep building him up and to bring him back in the offseason and spring practice and keep seeing progression and him being the leader uh, next year? You know, like it's it's almost like the writing has been on the wall. Right. The truth is that DJ DJ right. knows what Dabo did last summer, and that's why he hasn't gotten thrown off the field. He's got the dirt. Tinfoil hat. Tinfoil hat. We need a little jingle when it's the tinfoil hat <laughs> moment of the show. You know Big Dave has something to do with that. Yeah. Let's bring him on the show and ask him. Big Dave will do it. Yep. Big Who's Dave will do it. Coach? I'd watch that show. <laughs> I'd watch that TikTok series. Big Dave will do it. Big Dave will do it. <laughs> Hashtag challenge. Um. I don't give a shit about what happened in the rest of college football. Nope. Nope. Or what's nope. happening this coming weekend or who's making the playoff. I, like mm-mm. it's not George, us. George is going to win it all. Yep. Could lose Honestly, Michigan, but we'll uh, see. I Michigan. I, okay. I will finally. What about, hold on. Finally what about give Michigan credit? <laughs> do you think there's a world where USC has enough offense? Real one. I just think it's Oklahoma 2.0. No. You know? Yeah. No, I, it's their, their defense. And when they go up against the Georgia defense, you're going to. Yeah. <clears throat> I think you're right. 
Um, yeah. TCU yeah. kind of feels like a team of destiny, but we'll see. TCU is going to be a really fun, enjoyable TCU is like a Notre Dame team that has a good defense, but no offense gets in the playoffs and gets waxed in the first round. We're going to see two semifinal beatdowns, I think, again this year. Yeah. I just want a good final game. And I guess it's Georgia, Michigan. Georgia, Michigan. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw it last year when Michigan had better players before they graduated them. So, and granted, Georgia did too, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Kind of, kind of boring. I hate them all. I hate every <laughs> single one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of find myself wishing Alabama was back. <laughs> there's, dude, there's a chance. At least I can chaos. respect that program, you know? I'll see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, By the way, Saban has two losses this year. Not in embarrassing fashion. Love to see it. No. But, and I know this is a one point loss, but that was embarrassing. It was really bad, like bad way it happened. Who would happen? The you guys think we can beat Tennessee? Hawks. Um, uh, Hayden Hooker's down, so with a one-legged true. hooker, I think I think we can beat a one-legged hooker. Wouldn't be the first time for how long you've been sitting ben. on that joke. Uh, I don't know, but. If we need help, we can get Craig James out of the portal. So, um, let's get it. Let's get out of here on that note. Good lord, Craig James, man. Um, so, all right, we will be back to recap the ACC championship game against North Carolina. Let's say like two words on this game. Um, they've had two embarrassingly bad losses in a row to like a completely disheveled NC state team and then a pretty terrible interim coached Georgia tech team. I just don't know what to expect from Clemson's offense in this game, but I don't know. I I could see the team like bowing up, having pride after that tough loss coming out and fighting like we saw against Louisville. Like, I feel like I'm expecting a bounce back. I think the matchup favors us. Um, Drake may is really solid though. I mean, the last quarterback Mm -hmm. we faced was really solid was, Sam Hartman and he lit up our secondary. I mean, you could, you could, we haven't mentioned Rattler's name too much. You could say he was a solid quarterback too. You know, he, mm-hmm. he got home and lit, he, he lit us up too. I think it's really a matter of can our defensive line get home? You know, that's going to be dictating this entire game. You know, if we're, if we're turning it over, like, yeah, we could definitely lose. We have been. So that would be like the one thing I would be looking for to clean up, but I'm going to be holding my nose watching the first quarter. I'm just worried DJ is going to throw for 500 yards and six touchdowns and be back next year as the starting <laughs> quarterback. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I, no, listen, that's, uh, listen, listen, like stop bashing DJ. He's a good kid. Like we should like, it's, it's entertainment folks. It's like, it's, it's freaking entertainment. Like if you're getting all wound up and I know as we sit here, talking on a podcast it hasn't ruined our lives it hasn't ruined our lives i mean maybe jared's a little bit but 74 minutes of winding people up (laughs) yeah like get over get over i can't believe they pay they pay us to do this no yeah yeah no i mean (laughs) no what i want what i want to see and while i'll be tuning in this saturday is i want to see this team bounce back go out there and punch north carolina in the freaking face Mm-hmm. and slaughter them and get some momentum going into you know the, the december break and 
um, bowl practice and then come out fresh with the right mindset um, and go out there and win a bowl game. Because you know what? If it all breaks down and this team crumbles, that doesn't look good going into next year. It looks terrible. I mean, lose three in a row? Mm -mm. Or two. Not what you want. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I want to be optimistic, but I think what we're going to see is if DJ already knows more and more that his job is truly like more and more on the line and that the fans don't really care for him and they're calling for his job every game and he knows that like they don't even want him to start the game or anything. I just think that he's going to come out. They'll play a little conservative. They'll get him kind of moving the ball a little bit. He'll throw behind the line of scrimmage five times in a row. And um, he's just going to not look sharp. And I think that by third quarter, I think they're just going to have to put in Cade um, because the game is going to be close. And North Carolina can score even against our defense. So I think that's what's going to happen. I would love – to see DJ, you know, thrive, but I just, I don't have any confidence. He's going to be like mentally tough enough to shake that off. I mean, if we, heaven forbid, we start with a big deficit. Mm -hmm. Don't know what you do. Tough. I think you just air it out. You you put it in. Yeah. 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 Air it out with DJ. If that's not working, roll with Cade is what it is. And then, yeah, Dabo's radio show next week is a can't miss event. And Jerry, you talked yeah. about, and everybody's talking about this: how five of the nine completions were from behind the line, or were behind the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Well, they should have done that more. Then seemed to be very successful. I mean, that's the part. Like every answer I've heard from Dabo and Streeter is like, "Well, why didn't you do that then?" Or like, "What was the thought process of not doing that?" Or, or they're like, like, "We should have run DJ more." Oh yeah, we probably should give it Spiller, to Shipley. More. Spiller. Yeah. Shipley. <laughs> should have run CJ Spiller more. That's um, why you know what this game reminded me of when we weren't when we weren't you know sticking with with Shipley there at the end after he had such a good game was Tommy Bowden Dadgum pulling Reggie Merriweather in that South Carolina game driving you down the field best thing going for you yeah was that before my time five that one the uh 05 or 06 i graduated in 06 with reggie merriweather in the fall but 06 was james davis and spiller's first year so maybe it was 05 hmm. Hmm. anyway we'll look it up yeah all right we'll uh, we we will be back to recap championship weekend uh, mm-hmm. ACC title sure would be nice despite all the stuff we just said about the trajectory of the program yeah um, get some mm-hmm. fucking ring pop rings and it'll be nice lick <laughs> yeah. your lollipops all the way to the orange bowl um, mm-hmm. no go Tigers so let's get let's get that win uh, we'll be back to recap that thank you all for tuning in for any South Carolina fans if you made it this far screw you enjoy the tears hope they're tasty yeah, and Russia's really isn't that great. What's that? It's like a restaurant uh, in Colombia. Hmm. Never heard of it. Pretty sure. Well, yeah, it's trash. <laughs> well, with that, we got to wrap it. And as always, go Tigers.
we usually after a loss we usually get a lot of listens but then you look at the map yeah. and it's all uh -huh. the city of the oh, fans yeah. Us. yeah like oh yeah i love how you you got them at the very end let me just double check and make sure rushes is the restaurant that i'm thinking of Rush we can re-record that last bit Columbia. yeah um yeah no it's in columbia south carolina it's, it's like um yeah i've it, never it, been to columbia like a, so whatever that's fine you've never been to columbia no why would i go there I mean, as a Clemson student and alumni, I would assume that you would at least go like once. Oh, um, I drove through it a lot, but yeah, it looks like a that's it. Four man Sonic, dude. It is like, I mean, it's like if In and Out wasn't a chain and everyone was homeless. All right, <laughs> we're still fucking recording. <laughs> Put that just on make the, the whole. Just put that on the outtakes. <laughs> it's like <God>. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be just five minutes of outtakes.